Welcome, B-Movie fans, to another B-Movie interview. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And joining us today is writer and illustrator Jason, J- J- Jason Lennox. Oh, man. How's it going, fellas? <laughs> One line and I can't get it right. He's here because he's got a new issue of Lords of the Cosmos up on Kickstarter right now as of the day the release of this interview. Um, Jason, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that, and then we'll have some more talk. So, really quick, Lords of the Cosmos issue four is just destroying it on Kickstarter. It's been my fastest start ever, and right before we even started this interview, uh, one of my good buddies at work, uh, Josh Dellinger, gave a $75 donation and then added on $25 just because he's an awesome bro, and uh, I wanted to make sure that since he was just fresh on my mind, I said, thank you, Josh Dellinger, for that amazing $100 donation to Lords of the Cosmos issue four. And with that donation, right, let's find out. We are currently at, drumroll please, after five days, this is at, uh, we are at, uh, refresh you darn computer. I think it's a little bit less than $4,300. Woo! Forty-two ninety-three, and the goal was four thousand. So we're two hundred ninety-three dollars over our goal. Thanks again, Josh Dellinger, for your hundred-dollar donation. And we've got over three weeks to run up the score. So now the big question is, Corey and Paul, how high can Lords of the Cosmos issue four go? Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Because even just meeting the goal, but like surpassing, it's pretty amazing. I don't know, with the, with the momentum right now and how I've seen stuff on Kickstarter go, I'm going to guess that it, it's going to run up near ten grand. Whoa! I'm going to go with, wow. like, five or six. I, I was thinking around six. That's my guess. Hey, if it's ten, that's a, great, that's a great guess. I like it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been an exciting start. I was overwhelmed uh, with the initial rush. Um, old fans, new fans. Um, it's the fourth book of the series, and I think it starts to pick up its own momentum where you have people that want to know what's going to happen next. You're having people discover it and picking up all four issues. Um, it's going to be a bang-up book, guys. What can I tell you about it? So speaking of all four issues, if someone mm-hmm. doesn't have any of the issues – where can they get, can they get the old issues through this Kickstarter or can they get them another way? So if they want to make it easy, you can get all four issues as PDFs for $15. Or if you want to get them all as physical copies, you can get all four for 35. Cause I like to, I don't want to make it hard for people to get the books because I'm a little self-publishing machine, but this isn't like, these are books that these were at every store. You should have picked them up. Um, we've been working on this project for years and it could be today we get one of our best fans ever and they just stumble into us. And I don't want to make that hard for that person to catch up. So when we do the next Kickstarter, we'll make it one through five, right? When, we, when Lords of the Cosmos five and six and seven roll out, I also want to make it easy for new fans to pick up. I don't want to make anything hard. And normally I keep all these things for sale, uh, on my Etsy store, Lenox Art Emporium on Etsy. Uh, they're a little more expensive. I try to keep them a little bit less expensive to encourage the Kickstarter. So if you want to get the books, the back issues, get them on Kickstarter in the next 24 days. Awesome. So could you tell um, tell all the audience and everything um, a little bit about Lords of the Cosmos, like the general story and ideas behind Sure. 
So Lords of the Cosmos um, is, is really inspired by the great cartoon and toy properties that uh, myself and uh, uh, Dennis uh, Fallon and Jason Palmatier, the other two uh, co-creators of Lords of the Cosmos that we loved growing up. So things like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, uh, Thundercats, uh, the Filmation Flash Gordon, uh, Filmation's Brave Star and Black Star, um, Jason the Wheeled Warriors, right? Uh, even Transformers because of the logos. That those '80s, you know, over-the-top heroes, the, the science fiction barbarians that we wanted to make a, a, a comic book in that genre. So, more specifically, what is Lords of the Cosmos? It's Superpowered villains and superpowered heroes that are on a, a planet that's in decay and decline called Aiden. And Aiden is kind of an everything goes place, kind of like Eternia. There's magic, there's robots, there's talking animals, uh, there's all kinds of variety. So anything's possible. Um, and there has been a series of wars on this planet, and issue one starts up in the aftermath of the last large worldwide war between the Lords of the Cosmos and their arch enemies, the Disciples of Umex. And as we kind of lead into this, you know, the comic, it's it's that, hey, there's a new conflict of brewing where Umex wakes up, he resummons his people, and they start destroying the world to draw out the Lords of the Cosmos to one war to end everything. At the same time, kind of breaking the fourth wall, is that we really try to imply very hard that this is a big property from the 80s. So every issue has a toy from Lords of the Cosmos in the back. Um, this issue is going to have the Saturday morning cartoon out of the Ugly Studios TV Saturday morning cartoon lineup from the 80s, where Lords of the Cosmos was a cartoon. Uh, we're going to have a letters page in this issue. We refer to a lot of other comics that may or may not exist in the Lords of the Cosmos universe as you read these books. Some of the callbacks go to the issues we printed. Other callbacks are things that we haven't done yet or may never do, but we're hinting, always hinting at more. Um, we've talked about maybe having an animation cellmate or having cosplayers shoot a live, like the Lords of the Cosmos live-action movie from the 90s movie poster. So we kind of want to give the reader the feel that they've stumbled into this big pop culture property that has all the trappings that you would have had if you would have been following a toy line in the 80s where they had toys, cartoons, properties, comic books, etc. So there's the fourth wall element for the fans of the 80s toys and cartoons and comics. But then, you know, in the book, it's this, it's this gritty war between these two factions on a planet where basically anything goes. So uh, we have a main story that I've done in every issue through issue four and issue five. We're working on getting that wrapped up as well in the background. And then all the side stories kind of branch off where individual storylines and characters are kind of followed off on their own little uh, solo spotlight stories. So the new issue has uh, four uh, stories, the main story, and then three side spotlight stories. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's Lords of the Cosmos. Now, when you, when you were talking, you mentioned that there are like talking animal characters. And right before the interview, Paul and I were talking about your, your last name, Lennox. And mm -hmm. we, we both came up with, I don't know if you have yourself inserted as a character in the books or not, but Paul came I have up not. with a character, and, and so did I. And I would just want to know if you think this is a good idea or if you'd be willing to put yourself in or this character mm -hmm. in some way. So I'll let Paul, Paul say his first. 
I want to hear this. This is good. Yeah, so when we were talking about uh, how to pronounce your last name a little bit before the show, my first thought was like a version of the Lorax, only in like Mad Max, like a costume mm. and everything. I thought that'd be pretty badass. He's got like an axe so, and everything. That'd be the, the Lennox, right? Not the Lorax. <laughs> I love it. It's more badass, uh, brother. And then my you know, mind was a lot more like, you know, literal of like an ox barbarian named Len with like a giant sword or a fucking mace or something. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I I never thought about inserting myself into the book, but I think if I did insert myself in, I think I would just be an extra that would get shot immediately or burned alive by the disciples of Umex and thrown in a ditch. So I, I, know, I, I think I would be treated very quickly and unkindly by the inhabitants of my imagination in, in this book it's that so some of these things can get pretty brutal and i i think that would be more of my role but i do appreciate lennox lorax and i do appreciate len dash ox because that would fit in with the naming parameters of uh these kinds of uh properties from the 80s so you just you saying you'd be one of the extras just made me think of uh, evil dead the musical when when evil dead evil ed has his song and he's like I'd be the unforgettable demon number 39, like. Right, right, right. No, I, I always thought it was cute when Peter Jackson was in Return of the King and he's a pirate that just gets shot with an arrow and dies. Like, I thought that was cool. He didn't want to be a big thing in the film. It was, I thought it was cool. He's just in it for a minute, gets shot and dies. Like, I think that's cool. Kind of like uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock would be in the films just kind of there for a minute uh, and then leave, you know. So I, I guess one question, you d you gave a pretty good synopsis of what Lords of the Cosmos is, but for anyone who you know hasn't read the comics or maybe hasn't been into comics for a long time, what's like, you know, uh, a 30 second say, you know, pitch that you would give to get them excited or what's the main reason they should come to check out Lords of the Cosmos? Wow. Okay. Let me let me think for a minute. Let me prep up. Right. Put me on the spot. Spotlight on Jason Lennox in the interview. So uh, thirty seconds. Uh, imagine a nineteen eighties theme comic book based on some of the popular toy and cartoon themes of that era: wizards, cyborgs, talking animals, and swords. That's Lords of the Cosmos. Are you in? I think that's a pretty quick elevator speech. That sums it up. You guys have read the books, the first three. I think that's a pretty good uh, quick elevator, elevator speech, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking about, like, all, like, when I was a kid, I had a ton of, ton of like, Ninja Turtles toys and everything. And, like, reading the comic, I'm just thinking about having those, like, fighting the Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. Like, I guess um, my birthday was a couple days ago, and I got this uh, movie called Batman versus the Ninja Turtles, and I haven't watched it yet, but I'm thinking of, like, back on the day, I had, like, my Batman toys, my Ninja Turtle toys, like, mixing them together. So, like, kind of put that, like, um, with the darker He-Man kind of, like, kind of thing. It's very like, Yeah, I mean, uh, off the top of my head, just kind of mentally going through the books, we've had an underwater war. Um, we've had uh, a dark take on the She-Ra mythology. Uh, with the Rainbow Knights in issue two. We've had a plant living inside a robot body in issue three. Um, we've had a wasp with a shotgun. Uh, we've had a man with interchangeable heads like sockets there. He steals people's heads to build his inventory of heads to do evil. Um, 
You know, in the new issue, we've got uh, a cyborg that has to eat other humans to live through a huge acid tank after he loses most of his body. Uh, we have an intelligent sword that exists to kill that's locked in a, in a, a prison. Uh, we have a talking cat. We have a cyborg wizard. Um, we have monsters sieging a city. Um, we've got a lot. we got a lot of really, really fun, wild stuff. We have a living mountain in the first issue that opens up into a city-sized eyeball. Um, we've got a lot of wild stuff now that I'm thinking about it. It's good stuff. Sounds like the only thing you're missing is like sentient rocks of some kind, like maybe like a giant floating amber that never stops talking about herself. <laughs> well, you're giving me more ideas. Maybe Len Ox the Lorax protects that item. <laughs> now, my eight-year-old came up to me. He's excited about Lords of the Cosmos. He said, Daddy, what if you made a story about poison mushrooms in a forest and they kill everyone? Is that Lords of the Cosmos? And I was like, banging. I like that idea. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our f- friend, uh, D.W. Khan, uh, we have a story that we're waiting to get uh, drawn for a future issue of Lords of the Cosmos. And one of the characters, and I'm not joking, is a cowboy lizard. So that that's actually a real character that, that's in a script. So um, Lords of the Cosmos has the flexibility with the universe we've created to go in basically any random direction. And so there is a cowboy lizard. Just based on like a lot of like the random stuff, like you said, the cowboy lizard and everything. Are there like set rules of what can happen in the universe, or is it just kind of like if you can imagine it, it's probably somewhere in that universe? So, the beauty of Lords of the Cosmos is that there's a couple rules of the game. One, everyone's got to have a damn logo, right? So, so once they have their logoed up, right, they're in the fight. Now, you could have, like, cybernetic seahorses, you know, fighting plant-based spiders. And as long as they have the appropriate logos, it starts to fit, right? Which I always go back to the genius of the Transformers where they had those really sweet logos. And they just slapped them on stuff, and it worked. Like, as soon as they got logo, they were, like, in the game. So, one, they got to have logos. There's a couple characters, a couple, that have, like, a planned fate as the story plays out. So if you said, hey, we just want Umex to get killed, he, he can't die right this very minute, right? But outside of a few of those characters not getting killed, it, like, or affecting the, the, the current continuity of the one story we're telling, there's all these past conflicts. So we can just keep diving into the past as much as we want. And we can, you know, there's a couple characters that, that can't die in the past, but you can make up an infinite amount of Lords of the Cosmos characters from their infinite amount of prior problems and battles and conflicts. So with that in mind, you can keep making up as many characters as you want. And uh, there, if people have guns, if they have magic, uh, if they're, you know, creatures, machines, uh, you know, whatever, there, there's almost no rules. And, you know, if you look back at how wild Masters of the Universe and Thunder were, you know, those, those properties could pretty much add in anything they wanted, and they were so bonkers and, and crazy that it was like, oh, it's ice people fighting, you know, uh, a living mushroom? Sure, rock out. Like it, 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 because nothing makes sense, everything can make sense, right? Now, if you're doing like, hey, I'm going to do a, a very serious action uh, thriller uh, about terrorism in the year 2021 and set it in the Middle East, I mean, people are going to be like, is that the 
correct gun that someone would use in that military service. I, I always laugh, or, you know, I'll bring him up again, uh, D.W. Khan. I did a piece of concept art for him uh, based off a German uh, Wolfpack U-boat set in the 30s. And we set it in the Pacific Ocean where Cthulhu lives, right? And I drew the submarine, right, based on some reference I found. And I drew Cthulhu underwater. He's going to crush the submarine. And they're, 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 they're Nazi Germany era uh, submarine. And I put it in a World War II group that I'm a member of in uh, Facebook. And uh, people are like, oh, it's neat. It's really cool. And this guy wrote this very long essay about a German submarine in 1938 of that type was not able to travel more than so many miles away from their ports. And he listed off where the German Wolfpack would have sailed submarines out of. And they were all in the Atlantic. And he's like, that vehicle didn't have the, the gas and battery to get to the Pacific where Riley is, where Cthulhu sleeps. Therefore, this makes no sense. And I got to tell you, fellas, it ate at me. And I redid the whole thing with the appropriate U-10 sub that was their trans-Atlantic Pacific U-boat that they could have sent further. And I reposted it. And the guy was like, I didn't really think you changed change it. Uh, sorry. And I was like, no, no, it wasn't right. We have to get it. So when you start dealing with anything that's real, right, it's like that's not the, that's not the appropriate submarine for a, a German Pacific appearance. And the guy was right. I actually fell down the rabbit hole reading about it. And I was like, darn, the guy's right, you know. And there was all these reasons why they had different submarines doing different stuff. And one of the way, reasons we made Lords of the Cosmos the way that we did so we didn't fall into any of that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, we got lizard cowboys. There, there is no one saying, well, the lizard cowboys weren't, weren't in that conflict. They're just, it's all, it's all bullshit. So you can just kind of go wherever you want and you can say, hey, there's guys with swords that are fighting guys with guns and helicopters with wizards or whatever you want. And that's the beauty of it, that there is no plan. There is no, there is no continuity uh, with as far as like, you know, this isn't the correct sword that a Roman soldier would have had in this year. And you're like, Oh crap. But I thought it looked cool. Wrong. It can't be, that can't be it. Now I just, you know, just want to see like an army of like 12 foot skeleton owls that can like change their claws into like different elements fighting this army of like mole people because they killed all the druids or some shit. Like, Seeing Lords of the Cosmos, that could work. You, you could put that together. Now, you know, the, the Lord, you know, they have to be logoed. And maybe one or two of the main bad guys are kind of there leading the owls. You know what I mean? So that you, you got to kind of put the, the trappings around it to give it legitimacy. But once you've done that, it gives you the framing device to tell any story you want. And, and, and when we designed the property, that was a big thing, was to be able to do different things and to allow different creators to come into the books to work with us. So, I mean, we've, we've been blessed to have some really amazing artists and writers kind of dip in and dip out and make guest appearances. And, uh, you know, the fourth book's exciting because now I think we have something like 15 or 16 Lords of the Cosmos, you know, mini stories, you know, and through all these issues. So it's the, the more that we make, the larger the world becomes because every artist and writer is basically exploring with a, their own little creative flashlight across this sandbox, you know, and it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. And, and like I said, it's fun that people are building on it and, and we're, we're building the diversity and we're building the creative DNA of the Lords of the Cosmos property. And I think the reason that the fans have responded so much to it is because they're starting to really get that feel for how cool it is, you know. It's awesome. It's just like a constantly evolving universe with um, where basically anything can happen. Correct. And I, and I like that because th there is no scolding me because... 
you know, it's the incorrect handgun that an American soldier would have had in Iwo Jima, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. And, and, and that, and look, I get it. If you're going to do historical stuff, you know, it has to be accurate. It's a lot of work, you know, and I kind of like to have more fun and less work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Lords of the Cosmos lets us be a little bit silly, and I enjoy that. It's a lot more fun. Now, ju- just as Lords of the Cosmos is, you know, almost, almost like a baby or is a baby of yours, and it mm-hmm. might be hard to pick, but who is your favorite character from Lords of the Cosmos? Mm, that's a great question. Let me think about that for a hot minute. Um, I think my favorite character so far is Cycorn, the kind of zombie cyborg uh, winged unicorn. Um, he kind of reminds me of Starscream. Um, he's been in a lot of the stories. Um, He's nasty, he wins, and he loses, and he's got a lot of drama going on in the books, and he's been fun to draw, and uh, I've kind of enjoyed his weird story, and uh, he's got a lot of crazy stuff going on in issue four. Uh, We've shown his crazy origin story, and we've seen him, uh, I think, in every issue. Like Somehow he's become a very central character to a lot of the drama in the book, and he's going to have more stuff going on in issues five and six in his little side story that... uh, really comes into focus in issue four where he kind of runs afoul of another character, uh, Mordantix, who's the uh, cyborg acid tank character that we've kind of made a feature of this book. So those two go head to head as two villains that don't like each other. And then we take a a trip in the Wayback machine and one of the big backup stories in the book, uh, hunger is about why these two guys hate each other and why the one guy is not a person, why he's a cyborg. And uh, Cycorn's kind of a jerk. He's got a lot of nasty stuff, and I think he's just a fun character. Visually, he's cool. Um, I like him. I think he's he's one of he's probably my favorite character as of right now. But I, I like all the characters a lot. But he's had a lot of really weird stuff going on. It's been fun. And has there been a character that you've had in the books that you hate or dislike very much, but have maybe kept around because it's easy to dislike this character? No, I don't dislike any of the characters because if I didn't like them, I don't think we'd have them in the book. They're all like some of the characters we don't know much about yet because we just haven't fleshed them out. Um, but no, there's there's no characters that I'm like, oh, he sucks. Because if, if I would have thought that in the first place, I just would have yanked him. Um, like I said, some of the characters we don't know much about yet. And, you know, one of the things we're always doing is is fleshing out you know, these characters. So, uh, I post in Facebook in an, uh, anthology comic book group and, uh, a, a member of that group reached out to me and we had a little, uh, ongoing conversation. Uh, this gentleman backed my book. Um, he's a writer and, uh, he, he, he said, uh, you know, Hey, you know, maybe I could contribute. So I, I shot in the PDFs as a professional, um, courtesy to check out. He read the books. He listened to an interview that I did uh, the other week with uh, One Quest, and uh, he's like, "Man, I, I, hell, I, I'd really like to contribute." So I just shot him an idea today, like a, like a very basic idea for him to flesh out for four pages with one of the characters that we really haven't done a whole lot with. So to me, every character in Lords of the Cosmos, I'd love to see every single character eventually get a some sort of spotlight, so we can learn who they are. Um, and you know, to me, it's exciting to have someone 
read the books and get excited enough to say, I want to, I want to touch Lords of the Cosmos. And, you know, look, I, I don't know if this guy's going to have an amazing idea or a bad idea, but I'm excited to see what he comes up with because maybe he's going to tell me about one of these characters that we don't know much about. And that's exciting. You know, it's kind of like for me as a creator, it's like, I'm going to get a present. Now I may not like it, right? I hope I do. But like, what, does this gentleman see in the character that I gave him a little tidbit on like a stub? I gave him a very small stub and said, here's what, what little we know about this character. That's it. Why don't you take it for four or five pages and see, see what you come up with. And then we'll learn about that character, you know? And then I, I just have one more question and then Paul might have, have one or two, but mm -hmm. if Lords of the Cosmos was adapted into uh, a serial, like a TV serial or a movie, what style would you want it to be? Would you want it to be animated, live action? Would you want it to be like a cheesy 80s action movie or like a pumped up movie? You know what? I've actually thought about that and I, I, have, a, I have what I feel is a pretty interesting answer. I'd like to see it as an anthology. And I'd like to see every random style you just mentioned in it, like a cheesy 80s live action, uh, a hard-edged 90s anime style. Um you know, 70s animation, CGI, um, an amped up, you know, 2019 live action. It'd be interesting to see Lords of the Cosmos in little bits and pieces with tons of different styles. I think that would be really interesting. This, to everything you just mentioned, like, you know, maybe 12 short stories in like two hours and 10 minutes, but they're, every single one is different. Like the old filmation kind of generic 80s animation versus like, madhouse anime studios doing like you know the the stuff they did uh with like ninja scroll to me that would be interesting to see it done in different ways because we've had different artists draw it i think it'd be fun to see different art styles that makes sense lords of the cosmos directed by david lynch i'd be done for that. maybe quentin tarantino there you go so i'm like i've got a pretty good idea of it but um would you say the um the general um age group that reads um Lords of Cosmos would be um people that grew up in like the eighties, um in the nineties? Um it seems to be a lot of people that have some feel for that era. Now some of the people live through it, but I've talked to younger people that have kind of become fans of the era of almost by being like nostalgia people and they seem to connect on it even though they didn't live through it like I did. And you know what? I think that's cool too, because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like I enjoy sixties and seventies rock. I didn't live through it, but I kind of can feel the experience through listening and, and watching and stuff. So it's, it's cool. Like they're kind of getting a taste of that era through this property. That's what I was kind of wondering about. Cause like things are so different. Like, um, I don't even know who even watches TV anymore, but, um, I remember just watching like, um, it was weird, like, I was watching, I have an Amazon Prime account, and I was watching uh, The Boys, and it was weird watching, like, episodes come out, like, week by week, because you're so used to now, like, you have the whole season right there, and, like, wow, people nowadays growing up, they don't know what it's like to wait for another episode, like, the next week or another issue of a comic, and so I was wondering if, like, um like how like a younger audience would look at it that's really cool like they kind of look at that and they can appreciate it like knowing that it was an era they may not have lived through but like that was there that was real that was um kind of led to some of the things they things they like and 
maybe um it has things that um maybe they wish um modern day day stuff was more like so I, I guess I'll sum it up for younger people like this. So when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to watch was the old Rankin and Bass Hobbit cartoon, right? And uh, that was one of my favorite things to watch as a kid. And when I was really into it, I don't know, when I was like 10, 11, 12 or whatever, I would read the TV guide every week because my mom would get it at the grocery or whatever. And I would scan the TV guide, like a paper weekly printed magazine, seeing what was coming out on TV. And I knew that one of the networks, I think it was ABC, once a year typically showed The Hobbit. And I w- when I would see it in the book, I'd freak out because I'd be like, oh, my goodness, this Saturday at 8, I get to watch The Hobbit on whatever, ABC. And... You, you would get ready, you would go to the bathroom, you would get your snacks, you would sit in the room, and, like, you'd get the channel on so you didn't miss it, and it, it would come on, and, like, there was commercial breaks, and then when it was over, that was it. You didn't get to pick when you watched it, you couldn't stop it, and when it was over, it was like, I hope you didn't blink, because when it was over, that was it, and you were hoping that some network goon in the next year would let you replay it once. That was the reality of living in that era. Or if you saw a film that kicked your ass in the theaters, like let's say you saw Aliens, right? Which I saw when it came out. You saw it, it blew your mind. And then it was like, okay, when you you legitimately would say, I I don't know when I'll ever see it again. (laughs) But I mean, it was like you saw, it was like you saw a shooting star. Like, oh my God, Corey Paul, did you see it? No, I missed it. It's gone. Right. Another 200 years to see that. Well, maybe you'd never see it. I mean, it just burns up in the atmosphere. So it's so strange now that like I could I could actually touch my phone right now and I could go to YouTube while I'm on this app talking to you guys on Skype and I could put The Hobbit on right now and start watching The Hobbit while I talk to you guys on my phone. And I think that's the one thing that I don't know that people appreciate you know, what they have where, like, you could watch the Hobbit cartoon 24 hours a day, seven days a week, wherever you want. You could watch it at work. You could watch it in the damn bathroom. And it's like, I, I think perhaps we appreciated the stuff more when it was so, uh, there was a massive scarcity. And I don't want to sound like some, like, oh, Brooke Marjorie. You know, it's just, it, you did appreciate this stuff, I think, a bit more because it was like, wow, I saw it. I, I remember as a kid, I saw Flash Gordon in the theaters and I was five or six. And I remember just drawing uh, things I remembered from the movie, like the Hawkmen and the Ming ships. And I would sit and try to remember what they looked like. Cause it was like, you'd see it and just say, that's so cool. And then it's like, try to remember it for a year or two. And uh, you know, and look, I love being able to see stuff when I want now, but I think that's the one thing. I don't know how you would how you would understand that because when I grew up, that was what was the reality for everybody. So, you know, Lords of the Cosmos, the the DNA of that idea comes from guys that grew up during that, and that you know when you saw the stuff, it was kind of gone. You know? So that's our personal experience, kind of creating something like this. And and you know, again, I don't know that. I mean, you, you can't live like that now. The technology won't allow you to. 
you know, unless you just lived on the side of a mountain or something like that, I guess. But yeah, just like the the magic of waiting for that movie to come on or your show every week. Um, the the only real way to kind of experience that now is when you're waiting for something new to come out, like issue four of Lords of the Cosmos, and you can help speed that up and get more of it by doing things like backing your Kickstarter. And can you can you tell everyone once more, you know, give plug the shit out of yourself and your stuff and where can they find that, you and anything else you want them to? So let's plug the shit out of this thing. So Lords of the Cosmos, the easiest way to find it is just going to be to go to Google and type in Lords of the Cosmos for Kickstarter. It's going to come up. But if you don't want to do that, right, go to Twitter, go to Instagram and look up me, your friendly narrator of Lords of the Cosmos, and just type in Lenox, L-E-N-O-X, artist, A-R-T-I-S-T. On Twitter and on Instagram, on my Twitter page, it's pinned to the top. And on Instagram, there's like 8 million posts about it. So you'll find it in about a half a second. Follow me on those platforms. I'm a lot of fun. I post a lot of silly stuff about animation and old action films and science fiction uh, and weird stuff. And a lot of stuff about my art. But right now, it's all about Kickstarter. So at Lennox Artist on Twitter Instagram. Um, if you want to go to my big old website, jasonlennox.com. Uh, the Kickstarter is pinned to the right side of the top of the main homepage. If you're on Facebook with all the older crabby people on there, uh, I'm facebook.com slash Jason Lennox illustrator. You can look me up there. Um, if you're feeling really adventurous, try to find my personal page and send me a friend request. I accept everyone's friend requests. It's all good if you want to find me down on there. But between all those uh, resources, between my website, jasonlennox.com, at Lennox Artist on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and then Jason Lennox Illustrator on Facebook. But you can also find my Etsy store, uh, Lennox Art Emporium on Etsy, where there's all kinds of prints and comic books and T-shirts for sale. Um, yeah, you'll 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 figure out where the Kickstarter is from one of those sources. Like I said, just type in Lords of the Cosmos for Kickstarter, and it'll, it should pop up on on Google. Everyone here is smart; they'll, they'll figure it out. If you're listening to B Movie Brothers, you're obviously uh, highly intelligent and creative and you'll be able to use the google tool to find lords of the cosmos for and kickstarter because we actually got another donation we're up to 115 backers 4308 just during this show so we even went over 4300 while we were talking and recording this show so obviously people are smart enough to find this so thank you for joining us jason as always it's been a pleasure and we hope to talk to you again sometime soon whether it be about you know some kind of b movie or the next issue of Lords of the Cosmos. And to everyone listening yep. out there, until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. <laughs>